the store clerk called up the church secretary. And he said, look, somebody just came from your church and uh, bought a bunch of stuff for the church and, and just signed his first name. And I need him to come back and complete the ticket. And she said, well, what was his name? And he said, Christian. She said, look, I've been here a long time. There are no Christians in this church. That's as April Fool's as we're going to get this morning. <laughs> like, do you feel kind of like an Easter egg? This morning, this purple shirt, that's kind of foolish. But you know, the you gotta have fun. Look, it's, it's Easter, it's, it's April Fool's. What are you gonna do? I did pick out a very lighthearted passage this morning, and on the way into it, let's consider how we as a church make a lasting impression. What kind of church are we gonna be? What kind of church do you want to be a part of that will make a lasting impression? It's not necessarily a bad thing that there are no Christians at a church. In, in some contexts, the word Christian, which is only used three times in the Bible, and, and usually in a, in, a, in a negative way, in some contexts, Christian has attached to it all kinds of cultural things that we don't want representing us. In E. Stanley Jones's book, 1925 book, uh, Christ Along the Indian Road, he tells a story of an interaction with Gandhi, Gandhi who, without firing a shot, uh, the most one of the most powerful, peaceful revolutions of bringing freedom to India. Someone was interacting with Gandhi and, and was asking about, about Christianity. He said, uh, he said, oh, I, I love your Christ, but not your Christianity. I love your Christ, but not your Christianity. Sometimes our Christianity does not represent our Christ very well. What kind of a church do we want to have? What kind of lasting impression do we want to leave? When I was growing up, I felt the same way about the church. My job in the church, during church, was to be bored and, um, and itchy. Sometime I'll show you the tweed coats that my dad used to make me wear. That was my job, and I did it. I did it very well. Bored and itchy. I had a deep disconnect between most of life and what I saw as Christianity. There was a great disconnect. What started making the connection for me? I'll tell you in a word. Friendship. Friendship, a particular kind of fellowship in the church. A kind of friendship that I hadn't seen. Friends that I saw, uh, that I began to admire, who welcomed me into their circle. Friends who greeted each other uh, robustly, uh, unabashedly, big bear hugs, uh, transparency, a, a strong sense of life on life. I, I was starving for that kind of friendship. And I began to see it within the church. That's the kind of lasting impression that you and I can make in and through the church. <coughs> that we, our Christianity, would represent our Christ. I mean, after all, we say the Apostles' Creed, every now and then we'll say the Apostles' Creed in here, one of the things we say is, I believe in the church. Believe in the church. 
Maybe you're here this morning and, and you don't really believe in the church. Maybe maybe you're in a place where where you, you do admire Jesus or you, you love Jesus. Or maybe you, you, you think uh, that historically he was an amazing figure and that you want to believe in him. But you look at the church and you don't necessarily believe. A creed, credo means I believe. And one of the things we say is I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Do you believe in the church? What kind of church is worth believing in? What kind of church? Well, a church that makes a lasting impression through a particular kind of fellowship, a particular kind of friendship. Watch now as we go to the end of John, as Jesus returns and, and in a lighthearted way reconnects with his closest, closest friends. From John chapter 21, 1 through 19. Hear God's word this morning. <coughs> After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Now that's the Sea of Galilee. Tiberias is on the, the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, about 70 miles north of Jerusalem. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter... Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. If you were here last week, you might start to hear something familiar about this scene. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet, the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, actually what he's saying there, if you, if you translate a little bit closer, it's buddies, my buddies. Do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now this is funny. This is funny. He's reminding them of an earlier scene. It's a joke. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, uh, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got off, out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring me some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and called the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my land. He said to him a second time, Son, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. 
He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After that, after this, after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Two words changed. Let's pray. Holy God, bless us now to receive from your word, not only into our minds, but into our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Every now and then I get on Facebook just to see what I've uh, not been missing. And I, uh, and I noticed that there was a friend request that had been sitting there for a while from uh, uh, somebody named Batul Atari. Batul Atari. Batul, sorry. Never heard of you. And uh, yeah, I don't know where you're hailing from, but um, you know, this is not the kind of friendship that uh, um, that I'm looking for. Zap. So I, I, I did not friend Batul or Batul. He's, he's still just very disappointed somewhere over in Pakistan. He's very upset with me, I'm sure. But you see, this is the kind of, of level to which friendship has been reduced. Acquaintances. Passing acquaintances, building up of social capital online. Can the church have an opportunity in that kind of milieu? Absolutely. To have the kind of friendships where people know your past, but they don't believe in your past. The kind of friendships where people believe in your future kind of friendship where people accept you just as you are. First of all, friendship that, that knows your past. <laughs> Friends that know your past, but, but they don't leave you stuck there. Now that's the kind of friendship that leaves a lasting impression. They know your past, but they're not holding it over you. They're not leveraging it against you. Sometimes when you, you get together with family, you know how this goes, right? You fall into those old roles, right? Those old relationships, that muscle memory. That happens to me too. I, I remember about 10 years ago, uh, I'm used to being around boats, grew up around boats, and I was with my dad and on, his, at, on his dock. He lives on the water, and, uh, and I was messing with his boat. And uh, he told me how he wanted it to go, and I started to feel kind of put down by that. And so I thought, I know more about this boat than he knows. I've been around boats a lot. I mean, I've spent so much more time. I grew up around boats. Now, he didn't even know how to swim until he was 19. What's he doing? And I'm sitting here thinking these things. I'm feeling all sort of hot and defensive and all this. And I just thought, it's your dad. Relax. It's just being a dad. And I said, so I just said to him, so you want me to do this and then that and then this? Is that what you want me to do? He said, yes. I said, okay. See, there's a certain responsibility that I had in that moment, not to, not, not to fall into some other role or, 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 or harbor some sort of resentment or, 
or to be put down or to be cast in some sort of less than role. I had some responsibility in that, but, but sometimes when you're around other people and other friends, and maybe friends that you've grown up with, they try to cast you in some role. They, they know that thing that you did way back when. And sometimes it's your responsibility to push back against that, to help people be the kind of friend that they could be to you. That's, that's what the church is all about. You say, Tim, i got enough of that at home and in my family, just as you've said. I don't, I don't need to be around the church and try to add more of those kinds of relationships to your life. Well, well welcome to the club. I mean, uh, the rest of us feel that way too, but isn't it amazing that people persevere in relationships in the church? And when they do, there is something that can happen. We can go farther together rather than faster. Well, here's Jesus calling his friends, his buddies. It's like he's saying, lads. And then he tells them, he reminds them of an earlier scene. Right? That's what I was talking about earlier when I read the, read the passage. It was an earlier scene where, where he is with them in the boat. Now he's on the beach, but he, he was with them in the boat. And he said, you haven't caught anything all night? We'll catch that on the other side. They had just finished pulling in the nets. And, and, uh, and they said, well, just because you said so, I'll do it. And he's reminding them of that in a lighthearted way. He's, he's revealing himself again to them. He's reminding them of the past that they've had with each other, but not holding it over them. I mentioned that this is the Sea of Galilee. Peter was, was just not, not long before this. The, the, the rumors had spread. The rumors were coming that, 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 you know, that, that Mary had been, had been at the tomb and, and, and had seen an angel that, 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 that there was this, this, this um, evidence <coughs> that Jesus had, had risen from the dead. And Peter had not yet seen him. And so don't miss what's happening here. Peter, who had been in Jerusalem, who had been 70 miles south of this, where this takes place, just not long before this, had run to the tomb to find it empty, had been told in Mark chapter 16, through, through Mary, tell them, tell, tell the disciples and Peter, there's an underscore, make sure Peter's included. that I'm going to reveal myself to them in Galilee. And so they went north. They went north on, on, on the word of an angel. They went north. And, and they were probably staying with Nathaniel, who's from Cana, Galilee. And, and they went to fish. And here's Jesus reminding them of this past. And instead, in the other scene, the original scene, where, where Jesus is in the boat, and he's saying, cast the nets on the other side. And, and there's this haul of fish. What happens to Peter? Peter is dumbstruck. He's afraid. He's terrified. And he tries to escape. But in this scene, and don't miss the humor of this. Don't miss the humor. You know what I'm going to say, right? I mean, you, you can see it. It's kind of like when, when you're Peter, instead of running away, he runs towards Jesus. He runs, he puts on his coat and jumps in the water. I mean, that's hysterical. I mean, you can almost see that, you know, when you forget yourself, when you're Remember when you're young and, and your friends are outside and, and someone says, hey, there's something going on, there's a water balloon fight or whatever it is, and, and you can't get out there fast enough and maybe you do something stupid like, you know, putting on your coat to go swimming. This is Peter. He's so excited. He's not running away from the Lord. He's not trying to escape. He's not afraid. He, he is embracing 
even though here is Jesus reminding him of his past. He's doing it in such a lighthearted way as to say, I know your past, but come. Have supper with me again. Have breakfast. Let's break bread again together. <coughs> a friend, someone who knows your past, but doesn't keep you stuck there. A friend believes in your future, and that kind of friendship can make a lasting a friend believes in your future. Believes it. Jesus here demonstrates that he believes in Peter's future. Despite his betrayal. Despite himself. He says three times, he says to him, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Echoing what? Three times that Peter betrayed, denied, denied. Around a different fire. You see the parallel. Someone, one of the staff, I won't tell you his name, but the initials, Brian Watts, said that, <laughs> that he, he, he had somebody point out that this was a fire. It was a fire where he had denied Jesus, and it was a fire where he was invited to connect with him. And, and the smell. Fire. Sometimes the odors, smells bring back memories, right? And yet here is Jesus speaking into that moment, saying, I believe in your future. He's saying, feed my lambs. What's he saying? By implication, he's saying, feed my lambs. Who feeds lambs? He's saying, you are still a shepherd of my church. On this rock, I will build my church. Peter, Petra, Petros. You're my shepherd. <laughs> There's a, there's a story that I love. Uh, it's an embellishment of the uh, myth of Cupid and Psyche. And, and it shows how uh, even just going about the obedient business of your everyday, in the name of Christ, right? In Colossians <coughs> chapter 3, it says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you're doing, taking out the garbage, whatever it is. Giving thanks to God, Father, through me. That there's, there's so much more that God is doing for you and for your future as you're doing the work you're called to do. And, and, and this story of, of, uh, of this embellished story of Cupid Psyche, uh, the, the, the protagonist in it is a woman, she's the queen of this kingdom, and she, her name is, is Oriel, and she has betrayed her younger sister, who in the story is, is Psyche. And there's this redemption that comes, this redemption that comes from her simply spending her life, pouring out her life for the sake of her people. That's exactly what happens as Peter goes about the business of feeding the sheep, of taking on the role of responsibility ahead of the church in Jerusalem. Church, the center of which is Koinonia, fellowship. You see, in Acts, how the church explodes into the Roman Empire. It begins like, like yeast working its way through all the dough. It 
because of what? That central fellowship. That, that, that particular kind of life-giving <coughs> friendship. It moves your past but doesn't keep you stuck there. That leaves Finally, this. A true friend. The kind of friendship that leaves a lasting impression. The kind of friendship to which we're called here at First Presbyterian Church. It's friendship that accepts you right as you are, just as you are, just as I am. The old song. Just as you are. Despite yourself, despite all that you are, accepts you just as you are. Some of you were able to see uh, Bob Lupton here uh, a few weeks ago at the World Mission Conference. And uh, in, a, in a, a quieter moment while he was here with a few of us sitting around uh, a lunch table, he told this story. <coughs> he said that there was a guy uh, who was uh, working with him on a house that they were trying to restore. And Bob knew this guy's history. He knew that he had gotten up and fallen down, and gotten up and fallen down, and gotten up and fallen down. That his story was one of stumbling forward, day after day after day. And he was standing there, and he, he kind of leaned against his, his mop. They were towering the roof, and, and he looked at Bob, and he looked at him, and he, he was complimenting him on the things that, that Bob was doing, and he's sort of of implicitly comparing his life to Bob's life, and he said to him, he said, you know what, Bob? I ain't much of a Christian, but I sure love my Jesus. For Bob, that moment was a picture of his future. The way that he saw this man the, the particular and unique kind of struggles that this man had that Bob wasn't subject to. It changed, it adjusted his picture of friendship, it adjusted his picture of church, it adjusted his picture of the kind of people to which he was called. Jesus says to Peter, feed my lambs. Don't just hang out with the people that you want to spend time with, the people that, that, that build up your, your social credit online. <coughs> Feed my lambs, wherever they are, whoever they are. If we're going to be the kind of church that breaks through racial, social, economic barriers, that demonstrates the kind of koinonia, the kind of fellowship, the kind of special friendship, that the church is called to be as a city on it. then we have to recognize that there are lambs around town that may not be the kind of people that you want to spend the time with seeing. There are lambs around town that are far from God. There are lambs around town that are on the margins of life. And when Jesus says, feed my lambs, he's saying, this is the way that you're going to leave a lasting impression as the church. This is the way. That you're going to demonstrate my love. This is the way now I've gone in and seen 
I'm seeing within our fellowship. If Gandhi had seen the things that I see First Presbyterian Church do, then he might not only say, I, I love the Christ and I love the Christianity. I love what I'm seeing. People reaching out across class, across comfort, across social barriers. People who are demonstrating feasible, palpable, concrete ways. Friendship will last the least of all. Maybe you're here today and you're here for, you haven't been here in a long time and you've given up the belief in the church. And you, you love your Jesus. Maybe you don't even feel like there's much, you're much of a Christian. Well, there are no good Christians, all right? Did you know that? There are no good Christians. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's so true. They're only the bad guys. See, because grace doesn't seek out the good. Grace is not there. Grace, grace is not, uh, as Jesus said, it, it's not the well who need a physician. It's the sick. And so maybe you haven't been a part of the church for a long time, and you, you haven't seen the kind of friendship that I've, 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 I've uh, outlined for you this morning, I've touched on this morning. The picture that I'm painting isn't the picture that you've experienced yourself. Well, we all have some responsibility in that, including, including to demonstrate that in following Jesus, those two words that changed the world, it's friendship. It's friendship that cuts through the barriers of your own. It's friendship that letting people in and, and, and allowing them to be part of your life, allowing you to speak in your life, allowing you, yourself to be accountable to others. Anybody, everybody feels that way. Everybody feels sometimes that it's difficult to be a part of a fellowship like this. Everybody does. Everybody feels that way. But persevering in relationships is what breaks through the barriers of your life and allows us to break through the barriers. The lives of people will last. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for the love demonstrated on the cross and the power demonstrated in resurrection. We pray for that power to be at work life on life in our families, in our businesses, in our neighborhoods. But first and foremost, Lord, in and through this church, would you make us that type of hill? Would you would you give us that lightheartedness that we have in the face of a future that is secure? And would you help us, Lord, just in the ways that we live and move and have our being, to call other people into this same pattern, life on life pattern, forgetting what's behind, pressing on for what's ahead, and receiving each other as we are. In Jesus.